We're continuing to consider the topic of prayer. We've been making our way through the Gospel of Luke, and here in the 11th chapter, Jesus takes time to teach his disciples about pray, prayer because they've seen him on a number of occasions praying. And in one occasion, when he, when he rises from his prayer, the disciples are, are so taken aback by how Jesus communes with the Father in prayer that they say, Lord, teach us to pray. And what we see in Jesus' example is that prayer is communion with God, primarily. It's time alone with God, to be together with your Father. And prayer is an expression also, as you see in Jesus' life, a submission to the Father's will. And prayer is also the vehicle or the means by which God delivers and pours out his blessing upon his people. We have answered prayer. And as Jesus gives a model pattern of prayer in the Lord's Prayer, we see those exact same things. He begins by saying, Father, here's that communion, that relational aspect with God. And then the Lord's Prayer begins with a priority of God's glory and honor. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. And so we have our, our relationship with our Father, our communion expressed in Father, and then because we want the Father's will to be done on earth, we're showing our submission to the Father. And then thirdly, we saw in the Lord's Prayer what we ought to pray for ourselves, our daily bread, our forgiveness of sins, and to keep us from sin, to keep us from temptation. And so here is the vehicle through which God will answer prayer. And so as we've considered these matters of the Lord's prayer and what we ought to be praying for, now what Jesus is going to do is through two parables or two illustrations, now teach us the manner of prayer. What is our attitude? What ought to be our motivation? What ought to be our disposition as we come before the Lord each and every day in the morning for our daily provision? And so look at me in Luke chapter 11, as I read five, verse 5 through verse 10. Jesus said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Jesus says, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Now this passage, Jesus is teaching us something about prayer and how we ought to pray, the manner in which we come before the Lord in prayer. Now as I read that illustration, there's two things really that are vital for us to understand about Jesus' words here, if we're going to understand his meaning and his intent. Firstly, we need to understand the question that Jesus asks. Because you notice the text begins in verse number five. Jesus says, which of you, and he continues in asking this question. 
So if we miss the question, we miss the point. And secondly, we have to understand the, the answer that Jesus presents to that question. And in verse number eight, when Jesus uses these words, he says, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give it, give him something or give him whatever he needs. So we need to understand the question Jesus asks, and we need to understand something about impudence if we were to understand the meaning of this illustration. And so this is what we're going to do. We're going to consider the question that Jesus asks and understand the question. We're going to consider that word impudence or importunity or some translations, persistence or boldness. We're going to consider that word and what it means. And then in understanding those key elements of the passage, we'll then bring it together to explain what Jesus is talking about here. We're going to consider a few examples in scripture of people praying with impudence. And then we're going to consider what it looks like for us to come before the Lord and to pray in this manner. Okay, that's the task before us. And so we'll begin by considering Jesus' question. When he says in verse number five, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. And then you have the question mark at the end of verse number seven. And so this question can seem unwieldy to us because it spans three verses. And also the context of this question may be unfamiliar to us. The context is really having to do with hospitality. You know, if someone comes and visits you in town and and you don't have a place for them, well, they can just go stay in the Holiday Inn. But in those days, there was no hotel. And so if they're coming to your village, to your town, well, and they're your friend, then you're going to house them. And you're going to house them and you're going to feed them and provide food for them and also for their animals as they travel to you. And so here is someone coming from a long ways away and as they go and to stay in someone's household, at least the, this friend here, it's late at night, it's midnight, and they have nothing to give them as food, as provision. Now, to understand the nature of this, it's very important to understand, and in that culture, to not practice hospitality would be a great dishonor. If you had a friend come and he's like, actually, sorry, I got no food for you. I got no place for you. That would not only bring shame upon you and upon your whole household, but upon your whole town. It's like, look at these godless people who cannot even host a friend. And so hospitality was not only a command that we see in scripture, but it was a virtue that was so embraced by the people that to not practice hospitality would be a huge shame and dishonor. We also have a day and age where you had no refrigerator, where you had no grocery store in the corner, where because you could not keep your bread for long periods of time because you didn't have all those chemicals that we have in our bread today, you had to make your bread every morning or buy your bread every morning. And and as you can imagine, if you're going to be out buying your daily bread, you're not going to buy lots that is just going to go to waste at the end of the day. You're going to buy what you need. And so here we have at midnight, the end of the day, and there's no bread. We've eaten up today's bread. And now a friend's come and I have no bread to give to this friend. And so I need to get bread if I'm going to be a good 
host. And this is a circumstance that Jesus is asking about. And notice his question. Verse number five, he says, which of you who has a friend and he continues to tell this story about this man looking for three loaves to feed this friend of his who has come on a journey and he has nothing to set before them. And so the question is this, which of you in need of bread are willing to go to your neighbor's house at midnight, knowing that he is in bed with his family, knowing that if he gets up, he's going to disturb the children who are sleeping, knowing that if he comes to the door, which is locked and opens that, well, that's going to be noisy. And and certainly it's going to wake up the whole house and bring in all this rush of cold air into the home. Who is willing to go to their neighbor at midnight and ask them for three loaves of bread? The point of Jesus' question is that we would all, we would all recognize and come to the conclusion that I wouldn't do that, that no one would do that. That yes, it would be a shame and dishonor not to have bread for your friend who has traveled from a faraway country. But it would also be a, a great shame and dishonor to go to your neighbor and to wake them up at midnight. And anyone here who has young kids, you know, the most terrifying thing you hear at night is a young child. <laughs> that scares me. <laughs> this morning we got up early, we had to do some things and, and you walk outside your room and you hear a bit of rustle in the baby's room. You're like, oh no. Because that little pitter patter of a two-year-old, like at night, that's the most terrifying thing to me, to hear that sound. Because you know, you're now committed. You're not sleeping for the next hour or two, whatever it might be. And so who is going to have the audacity to go to their neighbor at midnight and wake up the whole family and ask for bread? The intended response to Jesus' question is no one would do that. You wouldn't do that. No matter the circumstances, it would be shameful and wholly inappropriate for you to go and wake up your neighbor and wake up their children so that you could save face and have some bread for your guest. And so when Jesus says, which of you would do this? The implied response is none of us would do that. So that's Jesus' question. Which of you is willing to wake up your neighbor to feed your friend who has arrived on a journey. Now, in verse number eight, Jesus says this. He says, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is a friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. So here's the second thing we must understand. We understand Jesus' question. He's asking, which of you is willing to go wake up your neighbor? And and, and it's such an act of of shame so you can save your own face. Who of you is willing to do that? And then Jesus also uses this word impudence to describe the reason why a neighbor who has woken up at midnight will answer your request and bring you three loaves of bread. And so the meaning of this word is important because it's key to why a man would get up at midnight to give loaves of bread to someone who has just woke him up to feed his friend who has traveled from a far place. 
Now, some translations use the word persistence, okay? Because impudence is not a, a word that I, I, I imagine any of us here use very often. And so many Bible translations see, seeking to interpret scripture in light of just the, the general lack of, of English language usage among English speakers. Yeah, we're getting dumber and dumber. And so they use the word persistence because we understand what persistence means. But it's actually not persistence. not what this word actually means. Jesus is not saying here that the neighbor who doesn't want to get up and wake up his children and unlock the door to give you some bread, if you keep on knocking, he will eventually get up and give it to you. That's not the point of this particular passage. There is a a point later in Luke chapter 18 when Jesus teaches about the persistent widow who keeps on going to an unjust judge. And Jesus there is talking about persistence in prayer. But here he's telling something different about how we ought to come before the Lord in prayer. He's not talking about persistence. The Greek word here that is translated impudence in the ESV or importunity in the Old English, the King James Version, is defined this way. It's a lack of sensitivity to what is proper. It's a carelessness about the good opinion of others. It is shamelessness. It is the ignoring of convention. And that's what's going on here. When Jesus says, which of you is willing to go to your neighbor at midnight and wake him up to get your bread? You wouldn't do that because you know that's not appropriate. But to ask with impudence means you're asking with a bold shamelessness. I know this is wholly inappropriate, but I'm going to ask anyways. And because you're so bold and so brash to come at midnight to your neighbor and ask for bread, do something completely improper, he's going to get up and give you bread. This is unusual. Why would you completely throw at all manners of custom and propriety and come ask for bread at midnight? Okay, here's your bread. That's the point of impudence here in Luke chapter 11, verse number eight. So rather than persistence, this man will get his bread from his neighbor because of his bold shamelessness. Because he breaks cultural sensitivities and shows the carelessness even of what his neighbor thinks as he asks for bread. So this is what Jesus is saying here. He's asking us a question as he teaches us about prayer. He says, which of us has the impudence to go to a neighbor at midnight and ask for bread, to wake up a family who is sleeping. And because of his impudence, because of his bold shamelessness, he will receive what he's asked for. Therefore, we ought to come before God with that same bold shamelessness and ask God what we need. That's the point of Jesus' words here. Because look at verse number eight. He says, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. In verse number nine, and I tell you, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be open to you. In other words, pray in this way. Pray with impudence. Now it's important to understand why Jesus would teach us to pray with a bold shamelessness before God and why we must pray with impudence or importunity. 
And it's because if you have a conviction that God is the Almighty, that He is holy, that He is sovereign, that He is perfectly pure, that He will accomplish His will, that he is the king above every king and he is the Lord above every Lord. He is the great creator. He is the sustainer. From him comes everything into existence and everything in existence is for him. When you consider how big and how holy God is and then you consider how weak we are, how finite we are, how sinful we are, how unwise we are, how foolish we are, who are we to come before God and ask him for anything? Who are we to say, God, can you pay attention to to me and to my circumstances? God, can you visit me and can you show favor and mercy to me, a, a weak and poor and wretched sinner who has no wisdom? God, can you listen to me? Who is willing to go before a holy God and call him father and ask for their daily bread and their daily provisions and ask for the forgiveness of their sins? Jesus says you must pray with impudence, with a bold shamelessness, because there is no way it is proper for us as sinners to come before the most holy God and ask him for anything. He needs nothing from us. he's He's not constrained in any way to give us anything. We're not deserving of anything. So who are we to come before God and ask him for anything? And so Jesus says, in light of the holy God and us as sinful creatures, we must pray with a bold shamelessness to come before the King of Kings and say, God, hear my cry. That's what Jesus is saying here. Now, I think this is hard for us to relate to because in our popular culture, God is not the almighty and the sovereign and the king and the ruler In fact, man is so elevated that there's very little distinction in people's views today between who we are and who God is. In fact, in our culture, it's completely reversed and God is just a servant for us and we're the real kings. And this is why also you see in in the medieval church, why the devotion of the church was turned away from Christ towards Mary. Because the vision of Christ in the medieval church was he was the king. He was the the rider on the white horse and from his mouth came a sharp sword and he's coming to judge the nations. And so he is too great and he's too grand and so we'll go to Mary instead. But rather than trying to find another mediator to this great and holy God, we come to God in Jesus' name and we come with impudence. We come with this shameless boldness. And he reward by answering those prayers. So this is what Jesus is teaching. And I want to give you a few examples of this in scripture. A few examples of praying with importunity. Praying with impudence. With this bold shamelessness. The first example, you don't need to turn there. You can if you want. But it's in Genesis chapter 18. When we have Abraham talking to God. When God has told Abraham that he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot is in there. And Lot as Abraham's nephew is a burden upon Abraham's heart. And so he's seeking to ask God to relent in his judgment so that his family members can be saved. 
And now he addresses God with impudence. Listen to what he says. This is Genesis 18, starting in verse 23. Abraham drew near to God and he said this, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? See how Abraham is praying to God here? And then God responds and says, For 50, I will not destroy it. I'll save the entire city if there are 50 righteous there. And, and Job, I mean, sorry, Abraham, in hearing that response, takes it a step further. He, he begins to pray with further importunity. He says, behold, this is Abraham, behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the 50 righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? See Abraham's language here? Who am I to, to direct you, God? I'm dust and ashes. But, but, but let's just say, suppose five were lacking from the 50 and only 45 were righteous. Could you spare the city then? And God says, I'll spare it for 45. Abraham continues. He says, suppose 40 are found there. God said he will not destroy it for the sake of 40. Abraham says this. He says, oh, let not the Lord be angry and I will speak. Suppose 30 are found there. And the Lord says he would not do it. Abraham cries again. Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there. And God says, not for 20. And finally, Abraham says, oh, let not the Lord be angry and I will speak again. But this once, suppose 10 are found there. And the Lord said he would not destroy it for 10. Now, do you see Abraham's language here? He's praying with a great boldness, a boldness, but also recognizing that his place before God is one of, of infinite difference. And so he says, oh Lord, please not be angry. Allow me to speak this one more time. I'm, I'm but dust and ashes. I'm a sinful, wicked man coming before you, the great and mighty king. Will you, will you please answer this request? And the Lord hears and the Lord answers. And so it's this kind of prayer that Jesus is commending when he says, pray with impudence. Another example, this one found in Matthew 15. And we have a Canaanite woman who cries out to the Lord for mercy. She has a daughter who is sick and dying. And this Syrophoenician woman comes to Jesus in Matthew 15 and she says, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. And the passage in Matthew describes Jesus not even paying attention to her. Didn't look at her, didn't answer, nothing. And then the disciples took it upon themselves to, to try to shoo this woman away. And then Jesus replied, as a bit of commotion was beginning, and says to her, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And this is her response. She fell on her knees before Christ 
and said, Lord, have mercy. And then Jesus replied to her, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. To which she replied, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And Jesus responded to her and said, oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was instantly healed. That's praying with impudence. You, you might consider that text, say, why was Jesus so insensitive to that woman's needs? Well, Jesus, knowing what was in her heart, responds in such a manner that it draws out what is inside of her. And we see in this woman, this bold shamelessness. Not only a woman coming to the Lord Jesus Christ to speak to him and a Canaanite woman at that, but then to plead and say, Lord, I'm a dog. But even dogs get scraps sometimes. So just some crumbs, Lord. That's the kind of impudence that Jesus says we ought to address our heavenly father with. And so he says in verse number nine, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. In other words, when you pray with importunity, when you pray with impudence, when you pray with this bold shamelessness, then God will hear and he will answer. He's not a man who is at sleep with his children and, and won't give you three loaves of bread at night. That man would respond to your impudence. And likewise, God, the all gracious one, will bestow his blessing and his favor upon those who come to him in this bold shamelessness. And so pray in this way, ask in this way and you will receive. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be open to you. Now, as Jesus describes the reality of, of prayers that are answered, prayers with impudence that are answered. I want to consider just those three words that Jesus used, asks, seek, and knock. When Jesus says here, ask in verse number nine, and it will be given to you. That word ask is in keeping with that word impudence. It, it's not a, a, a very quiet, silent, you know, um, um, please, if you can, maybe. But this word that Jesus is using here for ask is speaking about an earnestness, an urgency. In, in some places, it's even translated as demand. It, it's, it's to the point of demanding, coming before God with a great boldness and pleading with him with urgency and earnestness and asking. And it's those who ask in that way who will receive. I would say this too, that when we pray, and we ask God in prayer, we should actually ask for something. There's so many times, and I was, it was pointed out to me a number of years ago, it was helpful, but there's so many times when I, when I hear folks pray, and maybe you can relate too, that we don't actually ask for anything. We're praying, and we're bringing needs before the Lord, but we're not actually asking and what I mean by this is we might pray, you know, Lord, just, just be with me today. Lord, be with so-and-so today. Lord, I, I, I lift up so-and-so to you. Uh, Lord, I just, I just pray that you would 
that yet your will would be accomplished in this situation. Lord, that you would just, that you would have your way. I bring this situation to you. And when we pray in this way, and you can imagine if, if you were a boss and an employee comes to you and begins talking in this way, you, you're going to say, what are you asking for? What do you want? What do you mean you lift up this person to me? What do you mean this situation is before me? What are you asking? When you pray, you ask for something. This man was in need of, of bread. Give me some bread. You know, you can imagine him waking up his neighbor at night at midnight and say, well, you know, I had a friend coming. He's, he's hungry. And uh, he's got some animals too. And I don't have any bread. And the neighbor's like, well, what are you asking for? Well, I don't know. I'm just bringing this situation to you. Okay. And so when we come before God with impudence, we actually ask him for things. We, of course, we want his will to be done. Of course, we're bringing this before the all wise God and he will do what is right. But what do we want God to do? What do we think is his will? What do we think will bring him glory? Do we, do we want this person healed? Do we want them strengthened? What are we asking God to do? When we pray with impudence, we will ask. And we'll ask with earnestness, earnestness and urgency. And if you don't ask, you simply will not receive. That's the logic. Jesus always also says, after he says, ask and it will be given to you. He says, seek and you will find. When Jesus is talking about prayer here, he likens it to searching for something. When you're seeking, you are earnest in looking for something. If you are seeking your wallet, you don't just sit on the couch and say, huh? Scan around the room and... No, if you are seeking for something, you are earnest, you're you are meditating upon it, you're retracing your steps, you're, you're going and looking under places, even things that it might be very unlikely that it's there, but you are intense in your search. And Jesus says the same thing in our prayers as we have this bold shamelessness that we're searching for what we want. And we'll find it. And we'll find it. Now, Jesus says, seek and you will find. I'd be thinking, well, what should we seek? Well, in Matthew 6, 33, Jesus says this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This is what we should be seeking. Above all our physical needs, above all the earthly concerns that we have, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And so our prayers of impudence as we come before the Lord with this bold shamelessness. Here we are, Lord, we're sinners. We have nothing to offer you and we're coming before you, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we're here to ask you that you might bestow your blessing and your favor upon us. And we're asking God for your kingdom to be manifest in my life, around me. I want your righteous will to be done in me. And so we seek and we will find. And thirdly, Jesus says, knock and it will be opened to you. Now the picture here of knocking is of a person standing at the door, waiting to enter. And Jesus says, if you pray with importunity, you pray with impudence, you pray with this bold shamelessness, you will knock and the door will be opened to you. And who is the one who we're knocking? It's not a neighbor at midnight. This is referring to our heavenly father. And to have that door open to us is to come into his presence.
And so this kind of, of impudent prayer means it is a prayer that draws into the doorway of God, the doorway of heaven, and we're knocking and God will open that door and we have communion and fellowship with God and he bestows upon us his blessing. So these are the ways in which Jesus likens us coming before God in prayer. This is personal. We're looking to God for a response when we knock and he opens the door. And these words here, ask and seek and knock, are all in the present imperative tense, meaning these are things that we persist in. They're not a a one-time act. Persistence goes together with impudence, but doesn't destroy this meaning of bold shamelessness. But if someone is bold and shameless, then they will keep on asking. That will flow from it. And Jesus says, because of this impudence, your prayers will be answered. God is ready to give. He's ready to supply your need. He's ready to show you what you are looking for. God will answer those who pray with importunity. Now, this is how I want to finish. I want to now speak directly to us and how this impacts how we ought to pray. How we ought to ask, how we ought to seek, how we ought to knock. Number one, I have, I have three applications here. Number one, we ought to pray with impudence. We ought to pray in this way. Jesus is obviously teaching us about prayer and about how we ought to pray. And this is how we ought to pray. We ought to pray like Abraham. We ought to plead like this Syrophoenician woman. We ought to come before God like this man at midnight asking for bread. That kind of bold shamelessness. We pray with, with impudence. And if we were to ask a question like Jesus says, which of you who's willing to go to a friend at midnight to wake him up? We could say, well, which of us is willing to go to God with this bold shamelessness and ask him for things? Who is willing to go before God and ask him to pour out his mercy and his grace upon your family, upon your household, and upon this city? Who's willing to ask God that? Who is willing to go ask God for more favor when already he has forgiven our sin and lavished us with his truth and sent his spirit? Who's willing to continue to go before God and and keep asking? We must continue to ask and and pray with impudence. Now, praying with impudence doesn't mean that we pray with irreverence. To pray with this bold shamelessness is not that we somehow treat God so very lightly. You know, hey, hey, bud, thank you for the grub today. I I got a problem down here. Can Can you help me out a little bit? We, we, we don't talk to God like that with, with irreverence. But impudence actually depends upon a great reverence of God. You can't pray with this bold shamelessness, with this impudence or importunity, unless you first have a commitment that God is the Almighty and that we are wretched sinners, completely undeserving of His grace and of His favor. Praying with importunity rests upon the realization that you believe God is the great almighty and we are worthless before him. 
And so we must see him as high and exalted, majestic and glorious, splendid in nature and authority, and ourselves as weak and sinless and finite if we are to pray with this impudence. It also doesn't mean that we're greedy with our demands. Praying with impudence doesn't mean that we treat God in an irreverent way. And it also doesn't mean that we're just greedy and selfish. Okay, I learned, learned today at church that we just got to ask God for these things and come before him with this bold shamelessness. And so let's fill all of my fleshly appetites and desires. In James 4, it says this, you do not have because you do not ask. That's one problem. But then he continues and says, and you do ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So praying with impudence is not a call to prosperity prayer. We're like, Lord, I want to be rich. I want that mansion. I want all problems out of my life. I want my, my spouse to, to rise up and call me blessed and to serve me. I want my kids to, to never fight again because it's too hard for me to take. Lord, I want my, my boss to give me that promotion. I just want my life to be swell and grand and comfortable and easy. That's not praying with impudence. That's praying with greed. That's praying and asking of God so you can spend it on your own passions. And you will not have that request. And so it's not a reverence. It's not greed or selfishness. But it's recognizing the supreme worth of God and our sinfulness, and yet even coming before him and pleading with him in prayer. An example of this in your life, some of you might be in the spot where you feel like you cannot go to God again for forgiveness. Maybe you're backslidden, maybe you're wayward, maybe you've been through a season of sin that has ensnared you and entangled you and has been defining in your life. And you feel like there's no way I can ask God one more time for forgiveness. Because I've asked him for forgiveness so many times. That if I had to come and confess my sin before the Lord and ask for forgiveness again. I'm sure he's going to send me away. You say, what are you doing here? Why don't you get your life straight and then come and ask for forgiveness? And we think that way because that's how we're going to behave. If somebody sins against me once, twice, it's like, okay, I'm a kind person. The hundredth time, okay, you got you to get that sorted out. And then I'll forgive you. But when we come before God with that bold shamelessness, we come before him again and again with our sin. We say, oh Lord, you're high and exalted. You're magnificent. And I'm a, a worthless, needy, poor sinner. And I'm here again. And I need you to forgive me. That's praying with importunity. To continue to seek, to continue to knock. So that God would forgive. And he will forgive the impudent prayers of sinners. That's the first thing. We ought to pray with impudence. Secondly, we ought to pray with expectation. When Jesus says in verse number nine, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. He doesn't put in a clause there. It's like, well, maybe, sometimes, you know, on occasion. 
It's connected together. You ask and, and you will receive. You seek and you will find. You knock and it will be open to you. Now we know that's not irreverence. We know that's not greed and selfishness. But we ought to pray with the expectation that God will answer our prayers. And so we pray in faith. We pray believing that God is the one who is there, that he is the one who hears, that he is one who cares, that he is gracious and that he will answer. And I think so often this is a stumbling block for us that when we pray, we don't pray in faith. And even when we pray for the conversion of our family members, we pray for the salvation of this city, we we pray for for God to do that sanctifying work in our life or in the life of somebody else. And, and we're bringing these things before the Lord that we ought to bring before the Lord. And as we pray, we, ha- we have a hope somewhat. And our hope c- can be an expression of, well, God, if, if you did that, it would, it would be really great. And, and I'd be so pleased if you did that, but I, I don't think that you will or you can. And, and so we, we can pray for this city, but yeah, you, you know the trends. I don't think it's actually going to work. It's what we ought to do, but I don't actually have a, a hopeful expectation. And, and again, if it happened, oh, that would be so good. But that's not praying with importunity. That's not praying, knowing that if we ask, we will receive. If we seek, we will find. If we knock, it will be op- open to you. And so we ought to pray in faith. So sometimes our prayer needs to be, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. The disciples later in the, in the gospel of Luke in the chapter 17, they said to him, Lord, increase our faith. So we need to ask Lord for that kind of faith, that kind of hope, that kind of expectation as we pray. And I would also say it helps to know history. It helps to know history. When someone says today, hey, why, why, are you, why are you praying always for the salvation of our city? Don't you know? <laughs> Haven't you read the newspapers? Don't you know how well-funded they are and how, you know, just how perverse everything is? And it's, it's everywhere. But if you don't know history, then, then we're, we're, we're doomed to this kind of despair. When you think about examples in the past of men who were known to seek the Lord, to ask, to knock, some of you I know are thinking about those in, in yesteryear, like the, maybe the Puritans in England, and they were known as men of prayer. And these are the children and the grandchildren of the reformers, where the world was transformed through the translation of the Bible into people's language. They knew that God can change the world. They had seen it. They had heard their parents talk about it. They perhaps have even experienced some of that themselves. And so they knew the power of the gospel. They knew the power of the word that if we just prayed before God and unleashed his truth, God can change the world again. And by his grace, he did in their lifetime. They prayed with importunity. And God is still the same unchanging God and his gospel is still his power to save. And so we must pray in faith and pray with expectation. And then thirdly, our impudence is made effective and it's motivated by the Lord Jesus Christ. We know what Jesus said to us. If you pray according to, in my name, meaning according to my will, 
then you will have that request. And when Jesus here is teaching about impudence, he's teaching his disciples what it looks like as a follower of Jesus to pray in his name. And I want you to consider this passage from Hebrews chapter 4. Starting in verse 14, it says this. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see what is said here in the scriptures? Here we are as weak ones. Here we are as sinful ones. Here we are who are so unstable, who are so prone to wander. And it says, we'll look to the Lord Jesus Christ, the great high priest. Hold fast to the confession that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he is the mediator. He is the covenant head. He is your savior. Hold fast to that confession. And because of Christ, who sympathizes with our weaknesses, we can draw near to the throne of grace. We even, those those sinful, the finite, the poor, the weak, and the needy, we can actually draw near to God and to his throne of grace. We can pray with impudence, with his bold shamelessness, because we have a great high priest in the Lord Jesus Christ. So because Christ has come to this earth, the Son of God, to, to, to ransom sinners like us, because he has died and risen again so that we might be brought into fellowship with God, because he sits at the right hand of God and his kingdom continues to advance through the power of his spirit, because he, he prays as a great high priest and he intercedes for his people, because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can come into the throne room of God with impudence, with boldness, with gall, with, with defying all expectations and propriety. Who are you to be here to ask God of these things? Well, I am here as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am here because Jesus Christ died for me. I'm here because he has forgiven my sin. I'm here because he has forgiven me. He has sent me his Holy Spirit and he has called me to come now in his name into the throne of grace. And so Lord, hear my cry. Oh God, God, save my family. Oh God, I pray that you would use me and strengthen me as a man to make the gospel known. Oh God, I pray that you'd have mercy upon our nation. Oh God, that in your wrath that is so clear today, God, show mercy. Oh God, save some. Oh God, I pray that you would show wisdom and truth to those who are enslaved to darkness. I'm here in Jesus' name. That's praying with impudence. And because of Christ... When we ask, it will be given. When we seek, we will find. When we knock, it will be open. And so Christ makes our impudence effective and he motivates us to pray in boldness and in faith. And so let us pray in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh God, I pray that your spirit will take the scriptures here And my word seeking to explain and apply this teaching. Oh God, that you would impress upon our hearts that we might be a praying people. 
that we might pray with impudence, with his bold shamelessness. Oh, that our prayers might not only be done in this manner, but in keeping with your instructions in the Lord's prayer, that our prayers might be saturated with the desire that your name might be honored and revered. Oh God, that your kingdom might come, that your will might be done here on earth, just as it is in heaven. Oh God, that you would give us our daily provisions to engage in battle for you. That you would forgive us our sin and that you would keep us from sin. Oh God, I pray that you would do this. And I'm praying in the name of Jesus. Amen.